1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW, void, or prohibited by law. See
1: terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, PB. And today we're delighted to join back Carl, and he's now with us in the UK. Hello, Carl. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you? How was your first couple of days over in the UK?
0: I'm good. Uh, jet lag was rough, but I slept for about 24 hours, so uh, I'm all I'm all synced up now with your time zone. It's uh, weather's a little grayer, but it's, uh, not, it's nice to be here. So.
2: Yeah, it's a bit grey, and it's. Uh, it is summer here as well. So
0: <laughs> fortunately this is almost yeah, getting used, used to it. British summers are a little different than uh American summers. So. Yeah.
2: And we've got Pat as well with us. Hello, Pat. How's it going, man?
0: Yeah, not bad,
2: thank you. Not brilliant on the not Arsenal brilliant. front. I'm not gonna lie. Um we're recording the day after our final friendly, and we're kicking off the season in just four days, which I thought was a little bit strange to play. A friendly five days from the season and it being a North London derby. So there was a little bit of a uh, feistiness on the pitch as well.
1: Did, uh, did you both catch the game? I caught the first half. I must profess. I didn't watch the second half.
2: The first half was definitely the, the nicer half to watch. I gotta say.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just, I just find it with a lot of these friendlies and especially I'm trying to save my, you know, and I have watched basically all the friendlies up until then. Um, my appetite for football, I want it saved until competitive football because it just feels like we've watched so much football for so long now
0: that I need to, you know, save myself.
2: Mm. You don't. Worry. Yeah, I'm the, same, I'm the same
0: way. I used to, like years ago. I used to like save up and you know stay wake up early to watch like the preseason games that we played against random Austrian teams. And now like we're playing if you play like Real Madrid in preseason. I just like, can't be bothered anymore. I like to to wait till actual competitive stuff goes up. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably done you too good not what not watching at all. <laughs> I've um I've sadly watched yeah. all of them. But um just to recap for, for people who haven't caught the games, Arsenal in the official friendlies, um, in terms of the non behind closed doors friendlies, we are without a win. We drew against Rangers, lost the rest. Um we did play a couple of games behind closed doors and won those both four one against Millwall and Watford, but on the eve of the season, we've we've played Chelsea and Spurs, uh, narrowly lost to both teams, failed to score from open play against both teams. We scored against Chelsea with a header from a corner. Does it, you know, you both said there that you don't take too much notice of pre-season. Does it concern you at all to, to hear these kind of things coming out, especially considering, I guess, goals and, uh, you know, attacking was a, an area we really were poor in uh, at the end of last season?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a worry, like in terms of the the open play goals. What I would say is the intensity of these preseason friendlies just hasn't been incredible. Like there has been aspects or bits of them that they look like they're almost of the intensity of a an actual game. But realistically, until you are like in the shit, so to speak, like in a competitive Premier League game, it's really hard to judge. And I I do feel the the more we see, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but like the, the more we see the Aubameyang-Lacazette-Pepe front three, it's it's never really worked. And at first it was kind of like, well, Pepe's new, we need we need to wait for him to get used to it. And then we're kind of, however many, 18, 24 months on, on from that, we're kind of like, well, that, that clearly doesn't work. And it is a worry for me that we are persisting with that. But I do think that just how highly Arteta rates Saka, it, it's kind of impossible to see a situation where both of those guys start um, maybe not on Friday, but like going on through the season. So there is bits of me that are worried. There are bits of me where I'm kind of like, well, you know, party will come back. Saka's still come to come back into the fold. Gabrielle's back at Arsenal today. Um, Martinelli will come back as well. So there there is kind of aspects of the team, not just from a going forward perspective that I'm a bit less worried about, if that makes sense. Mm.
2: I do worry though that, you know, you mentioned those couple of players to come back. I mean, we're always going to have a couple of injuries. And compared to other big clubs, we've had like the least amount of people go away, haven't we? So yeah, it's like everyone's dealing with that. And I, I don't think anyone else has struggled as much as us. And the season's just four days away. Um, Carl, what do you make of the attacking side? Because we've got to add a lot of goals to our game this season, don't we?
0: Yeah, and we were... I touched on it I mean a small plug here on the stat bomb preview I did uh where essentially I was basically looking at the ways that we had really good defensive metrics which are are, I'm kind of funnily enough are kind of things that Arteta looks to be trying to move away from which was a little bit more reactive defending Mm -hmm. um but the attacking stuff is just stuff that we have not improved on and you know, you mentioned there about the um, a lot of our players being here this summer, and that being a positive thing. But that's mostly because a lot of the players were not good enough to make international teams, and <laughs> it shows. It shows a lot of the lack of depth that we have, which we have not really added on. We've added obviously to players in the spine who look very good, but you know, the thing that we all touched on, you know, throughout the, throughout last season was just that our our team is so thin um, because we still have to get rid of some dead wood, and then we. Our, even our first teamers if you look out you know our our team which started yesterday against tottenham um, you know that's probably gonna be the team that looks to start the the game against Brentford on friday and i'm not really sure that there's you know how many additions are we going to make between now and the end of the transfer window and mm-hmm. if we're kind of relying on the same sort of relationships obviously you know those are built over time but you know if they're if they're not good enough relationships there's no, nothing really that time can fix and you know, I, I think our front three is fine I just we need to have a little bit more variety and up front and securing those players that we did obviously last season Osaka and then Smith Rose you know we're, we still don't have enough creativity to support those players.
2: Mm. Carl I'm interested on in your take on Joe Willick me, me and Pat spoke about mm. quite a lot last week and um I think we said that if we're not going to get an offer of close to thirty million, then we've got to try and keep him and utilize him. And as we said on the podcast, things move very quickly uh, during the transfer window. And last night, news has emerged that Newcastle are closing in on a twenty-five million pound deal for Willock. How do you feel about that one, Carl? Do you think uh, Willock has what had what it takes to to make it Arsenal, or do you think it's good to sort of bank that money and, and look to reinvest?
0: Yeah, I think I think 25 million. It's I think it's a deal, probably good for most parties. As much as you know, you hate to see an academy kind of player come through and who obviously was su- such a key part of Newcastle's, you know, helping them save uh, themselves against relegation. I just don't think that he would have fit into this this team, and it's pretty clear that Arteta is not the kind of guy to kind of, if he kind of has his idea on a player, it's it's seemingly you know we've seen it with uh, Saliba, but. I just think that 25 million, you know, his value is probably not ever going to be higher because he he wasn't ever going to be a starter for Arsenal, and at least in the short term, and his value would have dropped off. I think, you know, you see Liverpool signing, you know, selling players who you've never heard of for 50 million pounds, and you look at it and you say, well, it's not a good deal. But 25 million for Willock is, I, th- I think, is a pretty good deal for both parties, and um, as little as it kind of helps the bank in terms of transfer coming in, I think it's, you know, you have to, other clubs would have made the same move, I think, in our situation.
2: Mm. What's your take on like the unsustainability of um, Willick's purple patch last season? I think he scored eight goals from 12 or 13 shots or something. Um, I've seen a lot going around, you know, from the stats community to say, that's not really sustainable. And and as you sort of said, this is a high point in his value and perhaps a good time to sell. Is that is that the case, do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at our data at dashboard right now, his expected goals was three point three point four seven, and he scored eight goals from 17 shots. Um, you know, there's pretty much a common saying is that there's always going to be a uh, regression to the mean from terms of expected goals, unless you're Messi. I think Messi's kind of, over the last, like, six seasons has, has basically, uh, overshot and overscored his expected goals by like 7.5 but for most players you're going to be kind of dropped to that mean there mm. um so i think that i'm not saying it's like you know just a, a joe Willock's a fluke and that he's not a good player i think he's an exceptional player and he, he we saw that a lot of arsenals some of those europa league games that we played last season or years prior he's very good at getting into the box sort of making those lampard-esque uh runs except lampard scored off deflections and Willick didn't um um, so, yeah, I think that sort of thing is you have to kind of be smart and kind of understand those um, looking at those kind of expected metrics and all those advanced stats, as well as the kind of key role he's going to play for a team like Newcastle are desperate and they have, you know, I'm I'm actually writing their preview right now and looking at their metrics last season, it was absolutely horrific. Um, so we, maybe we could have, maybe we could have squeezed back uh, a little bit, you know, five pounds or 5 million pounds here and there for Willick, but I think 25 million, uh, for now is, is a, is a good value for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's our first, it's still not gone through, of course, at the time of recording, but will be our first, uh, significant sale. And as we sort of said, there's, there's plenty to do going back to the forward talks, Pat, um, it seems all the areas we want to improve this summer. It's unlikely we're going to get the goalkeeper, the right back, the central midfielder, uh, the attacking midfielder, and the forward. So I think of those are sort of the areas we could do with strengthening strengthening in. In terms of the the forwards, do you think it's more that we need to restructure our our system in house, or do you think signing a forward is a real priority? Where would you See signing a new forward, I guess, on that priorities list against those other positions. So,
1: I think that it's tough. I think central attack midfield and right back for me are the, the two, and I, I would put those on equal kind of pedestals in terms of the importance of their signings, just purely from an on the pitch standpoint. I know a James Madison style, um, uh, Bernardo Silva style signing might kind of galvanize the club a bit more from an off-the-pitch standpoint but I really do think and from the first half that I watched and what I've watched of Arsenal over the last 80 months is when we do go down that left flank we are just so much more dangerous than we are on the right and that doesn't really matter who's playing in front of Tierney uh, whether it's Smith Rowe whether it's Saka whether it's Pepe or bamiang we always look a lot more dangerous on that right uh, on the left side and what worries me when I see say Bellerin at right back is one, in possession, he's pretty atrocious uh, going forward. But two, he actually, like, he, he's detrimental to Pepe, who is going to be predominantly the, the the player that that plays in front of him probably this season, uh, him and Saka. So I, I do think, and you write back, and, you know, it's kind of concerning to me that the only person that's been linked to K- is Kieran Trippier um, is quite important. But then I do look at, and again, I'm not saying we should sign Kieran Trippier, but if you look at him compared to the four right backs that are on Arsenal's books, that is a marked improvement, isn't it? Um, but in terms of the forward side of things, I, I do think it, it is very important, but it's also dependent on um, kind of, it's, it's also dependent on who's behind them. Right. Mm. So I think that um, if you have like Tammy Abraham in front of James Madison, that probably excites me more than one of those players alone, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, James Madison behind Lacazette, I'm a bit more like, uh, I don't know. I do think a forward is really important, but I I don't think it's maybe something that comes until next season, uh, next summer. But I also think that the two kind of players we've been linked to, predominantly in Tammy Abraham, and maybe even if you had Duzan Vlahovic do that alongside Latara Martinez, those three players do excite me. Um, and I do think, you know, especially Vlahovic out of those three, the, the kind of ceiling that he might have compared to, I don't know, James Madison, where I feel like he could get a lot better, but there's a limit to that. Um, it is quite interesting. But it, it kind of does show that, I think I tweeted it, there's a reason we've been linked forwards. And there's a reason Mikel Arteta clearly wants another forward, because whether we like it or not, and a lot of people might blame Arteta for what's happened to Bamiang. Lacazette's probably played his best football uh, in an Arsenal shirt under Arteta. Aubameyang, when Arteta first came in, was like, you know, maybe Carl can statistically tell us he was one of the most lethal strikers on the the planet. So this might be a combination of uh, being utilised quite badly, but also players just getting to an age where they do start to decline. Uh, I don't know what you think of that.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I was going to come to you, Carl, and say, if we were to sign a forward, what is the profile of forward you think we need to sort of add to this team? And as Pet says there, Lacazette seems to work more for Arteta as a number nine than Aubameyang did. I mean, we saw it in a brief spell last season um, and then I think he was late to the Tottenham game and then that was sort of the end of his his run as Mm. the number nine. Um, But it frustrates me that so far into his tenure, he still doesn't know where to use Aubameyang. Obviously we saw him on exclusively on the left. Then it was sort of left and central um, during last season. And now this pre-season, he seems to be consistently playing on the left. And, and if you didn't catch the game yesterday, there were several moments when Aubameyang got through on the left and obviously he's right-footed. And there was great chances to sort of whip a ball across like Tierney would do or Saka would do on that left-hand side. And he just looked incredibly awkward, slowed it down and uh, the attack broke down. Um, it just doesn't seem to fit. It seems to be a shoehorn. Carl, the ideal forward, if, if we could um, create that space for it, what do you think that looks like for Arteta?
0: I think as it stands now with sort of the, I mean, Smith-Rowe is obviously a great option in terms of creativity, but we don't really have any real kind of creative outlets underneath the forward. I think Tammy Abraham is able to kind of do a little bit of the not he's not a, obviously a pure creator but he's able to kind of drop off the final line and do a little bit of link up play rather than someone like uh Lacazette Lacazette's a little bit limited in that obviously he's not he's more of a penalty I, I at least I prefer him in the penalty area obviously kind of doing that um but if we are looking to add a attacking midfielder and a center forward if they're able to you know bring in a um you know if we did sign madison for however many million pounds it would be he's pretty much his own he's pretty much a his main his main attribute is basically he just he gets also a lot of shots in, in terms of that in the number 10 position more than the average kind of creative player there mm. and if you want kind to of add that profile it's you can add a little bit more of a penalty area poacher uh not poacher to say but uh more of more presence there rather than someone who kind of dovetails nicely with the attacking midfielders and allows those wingers to get in behind i personally would prefer not to sign madison just because of the you know i don't think that having that kind of guy who just peppers shots on goal is necessarily what we need i think we need someone to kind of feed uh a new center forward and the current center forwards we have um i think one of the, the reasons why albamiang obviously his position obviously on the left isn't ideal but he he played there quite a bit and he's able to kind of get those runs when he is fit and firing obviously you know how is you know however old he is now his legs might have given way a little bit to less sort of making those into out runs that we saw from, from mm. Dortmund and obviously early on at Arsenal um but I think just a lack of you know you have to have service to actually get into those positions I don't think that um you know early on last season we didn't see much of that but then we, when we had Saka and Smith Rowe kind of simplifying those roles and just simply occupying those spaces and moving off the ball. um, I think we were a lot better than that. Um, It's just, the question is Arteta seems to be incredibly, incredibly kind of reactive into how he puts up the team defensively, which obviously has an effect going forward, you know, playing playing Jacques left back for how many games he did, you know, it has an effect when you actually win the ball back um, no matter how many variations you put in terms of how you build. Um, So, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in in terms of the names we've been linked to, then. So, as you said, sort of Tammy Abraham, uh, Vlahovic from Fiorentina, uh, not so much Lotaro Martinez, but he is he's smaller uh, in profile, but he's he's very energetic and and sort of physical in in how he plays. But I was going to say, it, it strikes me that Arteta does want a bigger um, a striker with perhaps more presence and capability of scoring headers because he he loves his crosses I I know we do a lot of cutback crosses but we do do a lot of floated crosses that aren't converted and do you think perhaps you know these targets like Abraham is with a view to even if he's not starting to have a plan B you know someone that can come off the bench and is a bit more um, prolific in the air and I think that's a key difference between if that is the case it's a key difference between him and Pep isn't it because Pep definitely doesn't like that type of player.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of that is because of the. Uh, you look at the attacking op, midfield options and wingers that Pep has, that he can kind of. You don't really need as much of a focal point in attack when you have those players who can kind of make those runs of behind and kind of dovetail with a, a center forward who's not really occupying traditional center forward areas. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, I think Tammy Abraham for however long stats bomb and, you know, data analytics has been popular. It's pretty much been the analytic darling. So, you know, I'm going to want him at Arsenal. And I think he'd be great for, you know, 30, 40 million pounds. Um, when he's played, he has scored goals and they've all been within the width of the penalty area within, you know, um, the, you know, the width, width of the goal. And, uh, you know, he's been a fantastic player when he has played and his per 90 stats and all those kind of kind of attributes that you want are, are great. So when you have um, someone occupying that with the kind of creativity, you know, Pepe is, we've talked about it many times, is is uh, unpredictable, but he has put in some good balls that way. You have, you know, Kieran Tierney on the left. He's a fantastic cross of the ball. Um, I think that kind of penalty area presence with Tammy is is a nice because he, he can do both, but he's also incredibly physical and occupies defenders, which yeah. I think we –
2: yeah, it's really interesting, one Tommy um, Abraham. I think he's he's very divisive on on Twitter. For those of you that are on Twitter, um, a lot of Arsenal fans see it as a sort of acceptance of of mid table. If we were to make a signing like that, others, you know, like like Carl was sort of saying that metrics are, are really good there. And as you say, when he has played, he's delivered really good numbers. Yeah. Um, it's just a case that Tuchel doesn't doesn't really like him. And obviously- it, it, you
0: kind of have to look at it as well as, you know, Arsenal are still a big club, but that kind of gap between us and City, Liverpool, mm. Chelsea is is absolutely massive. And to, if we want to actually get there to competing, we, we kind of have to be willing to sign not second fiddle players, but, you know, get Tammy. Well, he's, he's competing with. Uh, he's competing with they're signing Romelu Lukaku for 130 million there's no way we can compete with that and Tammy Abraham is playing second fiddle to Lukaku is not necessarily a bad thing because there's a few center forwards in the world better than that um and you know you, you obviously when you sign Timo Werner for 60 million and Kai Havertz for however many, many million you know mm. you, you kind of have to play him and it's not not necessarily a problem with Tammy Abraham because He's, he's young and a good profile, that it's not it's not like he's, you know, a washed striker. It's not like we're signing Giroud from Chelsea at this current point. Yeah,
2: I mean, a lot of people have said, look look what they did to us with Czech, Willian and um, Louise. but it's a very different profile of player. I mean, we've seen Chelsea let go of young players who've gone on to do really well on many occasions. I mean, Lukaku being one. I, I put out a tweet in the week saying, imagine paying £70 million to loan out your striker for seven for his best seven years. Cause effectively that's what they've done with Lukaku. They sold him for 30 million when he was yeah. Abraham's A's, and, they, and they've signed him back for, you know, around that hundred million pound mark. So it, it, it's also it's, all, like-
0: it's, it's funny to me as well is because and I've always rated Lukaku, but a lot of people are saying that he's absolutely improved his, you know, massively since he's been at Inter. He's always been a, f- a fucking great player. Part of my language. It's just that the team Inter Actually utilized him properly. So if he goes mm-hmm. back to Chelsea, he's going to be he's going to be as good a player as he was. It's just you need to play him in a proper way. And it, there, Manchester United this time, at, you know Mourinho was basically asking him to be a hold up player and allow other players to get into play. Well, that's not his game. You need, you know, yeah. I think Luke. I have not seen a better counter attacking center forward than Lukaku um, for a long, long time. And you know, I, anyone I can think of. Um, and, you know, if Tuchel's able to get those sort of counter-attacking scenarios that he was able to create with Werner and all those, when you have all those horses running, it's it's going to be mm. frightful.
2: Do you think he might, st- just quickly on the Lukaku stuff, you say there with the counter-attack, obviously Tuchel likes to dominate the ball a, a lot, mm-hmm. what we've seen with him in the Premier League. Do you think that's going to help Lukaku? Um, do you think he's going to have to adapt at all? Do you think, do you think he could possibly struggle? What, what's your take on the the fee really for this one
0: i think i mean i personally think lukaku is a better player than harry kane and you have to look at you know i think harry kane's ankles are made out of paper mache at this point so um not i mean it just kind of depends on how you use them i think you know inter faced a lot of low blocks in Serie A last season as well um but two goals good enough to kind of get all those sort of players to um to play together, it's the the issue is is who's going to be the one that's left out, and if they utilize the best ones, because you know you've got Pulisic, you've got Havertz, you've got Timo Werner, you've got him now. It's it's kind of that configuration of the the front three or whatever front four or whatever they're going it's going to probably take some time to get used to, but I think Lukaku is always going to be the constant in there. It's just kind of the rotating parts around him. Um, And that's going to obviously create some dilemmas, hence why they're having to get rid of players like Tammy Abraham and Mm. stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Pet, I wanted to come back to you just in terms of the forward. We've talked a lot about centre forwards. We've still got Aubameyang, I think, for two more years on his new contract. Um, Lacazette's got one year left seems the club have been trying to sell him this summer, but but not really had success. So every possibility he goes next season for nothing. Do you think we should be looking for a centre forward, as we've talked about, or Aubameyang playing from the left so often? And in and other pre-season games we've seen in Ketia actually start on that left-hand side. Do you think we need another wide forward? Or do you think when we get Martinelli, if um, Saka can play on the left or we can put Papé across the left, do you think that fills that, that void?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because like the other thing, just before we get into that, is that all those rumors about Lacazette potentially signing an extension have gone out the window. Mm. And I don't know if they're waiting for the transfer window to close to do that just because I they might so. try and shift him before the window closes. I just I think there are enough players there to score goals. Like, you know, if you think about Bamiang Lacazette. Um that's usually 30 to 35 goals a season, usually. You've got Saka and Smith-Rowe who probably score more goals this season. You've got Nicola Pepe, who's kind of a walking 10 to 15 goals and, and 10 assists a season, maybe not this year because we're not playing as many competitions. You've got Martinelli who can also contribute. Um you've got Nketiah and Balagoon. I don't know how many of these players will be at Arsenal in in, in the when when the window closes, especially in Katia. Maybe even on alone. But like I just there is, there is something missing there in terms of the profile of it. And, and maybe it is a Lautaro, right? And maybe it is a Vlahovic a player that can can do both. And I mean, like you, you're basically looking for someone who is a lacazette who can then get into the box, right? I think um Carl mentioned earlier, his his kind of like touches in the box, his shots in the box type statistics are are pretty woeful for a striker. So how do we find what Lacazette does and and basically also add the ability that Bamiang has when he's up front in terms of getting into the box and kind of combine those two profiles of player and try and find that one and again that's really difficult like that's what Chelsea have got Lukaku to come in and do that's what a lot of England fans were really frustrated at Kane during the Euros about him not getting into the box enough like I think like whether it's this summer or next summer that ha- that position has to be addressed because next summer you either have a situation where Lacazette walks away for free or has a year left on his deal and Aubameyang has a year left on his deal and has already gone or is going away for free or has signed a new deal um and is then tried to uh, like sold or loaned like I think the 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 very fact that we've been linked to this many strikers means that we do we do need something else or at least the coaching staff think that we do need something else in that department. And those players in Lacazette like and Aubameyang aren't getting any younger or better. And there clearly isn't very much trust in Hireny Nketiah. So I think that only leads us to to one option, whether that be this summer or, or next summer.
2: Mm. Yeah. I think when I look at our forwards, the thing that really strikes me is just the lack of um, physical attributes. So with Lacazette, he's strong, you know, he's really good. When he's got the ball at his feet and he can throw his shoulders into people but then he can't get into the box as we say you know he can be involved in the build-up a bit but then you lose what he's got in the box or bamian when you look at him for the last 12 months it's just so often lacked that drive that extra bit of pace or just that extra bit of strength to get past people you just always feel like he's going to get pushed off the ball if he's too close to a defender um you know, neither of them are, are machines that you need up top. You know, people with an absolute desire to, to win those races, to win those battles, get in the box and score the goals and, or carry the ball. You know, n- neither of them, you, you have confidence to get a dribble past a player. And we've been looking, Ben White was a signing in defence who can carry the ball. Lokonga can carry the ball through the lines a bit. We've been looking for players across the pitch who can carry the ball and dribble through. And it feels like with the targeting of Tammy Abraham, someone who can cause that bit of chaos, and 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 these other strikers, um, they seem to have a similar theme to them, and that reassures me. But ultimately, we need to actually do something about it. You know, being linked doesn't make any difference on the pitch, but it just looks tired, our, our front line to me, um, when we're playing. And if it's a
0: positive that being linked with that actually shows that the you know, the decision makers at the club actually recognize that it's not something Mm -hmm. that they're avoiding. And, you know, it's just a question of allocation of resources. Basically, if like they mean, if they really want to spend, you know, huge amounts of money on one summer on on one player, you know, you have to kind of pull the trigger and do that. If they think if they think Madison was the guy, I think they would have done it by now rather than, you know, pulling, you know, waiting for so long. And that kind of way of being Smarter and kind of signing players for 30, 25 million here and there to bolster the squad is something we need to do and then kind of make that one big, big push signing when it comes available. I just don't think that kind of attacking midfielder is there at the moment. So signing a center forward is the for that kind of value for especially at the quality that we're looking at for players that we're looking at. If it rather it's you know at the very top of our our I guess our in inverted commas, our budget of Lataro Martinez or someone who's more affordable like uh, Tammy Abraham.
2: Hmm. I think that definitely is a positive how under Edu, you know, plenty to be criticised about, but I would say pretty most of the signings, obviously people point straight to Willian, but, you know, the signings this summer and, you know, Gabriel last summer, they are the profile of player we needed and that's reassuring and the players we're being linked to is reassuring. So I think they know what we need the problem is the sheer amount that is needed to do and whether we have the resources to, you know, not just address the issues, but we're looking at the four teams that we want to catch are making hundred million pound signings to teams that are already way stronger than us. So it is a difficult job. Um, I don't think that excuses the lack of activity to date with the season starting in four days, but it is a difficult job. And, Let's hope they can they can pull some more signings out of the bag um
1: before the start of the season. One thing I will say though, Ollie, is like and I think we mentioned this on the last episode, but the two signings apart from Ben White that we have made addressed really big issues in the squad. Um mm. so last season when Tierney was injured, like our left back options were dire, right? It was either um it was either Cedric at left-back or Xhaka at left-back. Kolesnatch was obviously out on loan. He's back in the squad now, ridiculously. But we, we suddenly are in a position where we've gone from, you know, one left-back, essentially, which was awful, um, to a, a very good, or looks like a very good young uh, second choice in uh, Tavares. Mm. Same with Laconga. We've upgraded the the disparity between... We, we talked about this so much last and the disparity between Granite Xhaka and our, sec, our third and fourth... Best central midfielders was really, really poor. Like the difference in quality between Party xhaka and Sabayos Elneny was really, really big. And now Lakonga has suddenly come in and looks like he's bridging that gap a bit, a little bit, and his upside is really big. So I do think now that, like, you know, party's gone out injured. If that was Danny Sabios or male Neni coming in, I'd be a lot more worried. But with Lakonga coming in, he doesn't do the exact same things. But you could even see it in that first half against Chelsea. Mm. the players trust him ben white was pinging balls into his feet and like he, he had some very very nice moments and i think that those two signings do address what were massive holes in our squad last season yeah i mean that's that's what i mean the the
2: profile i i'm reassured by you know i'm glad they've identified that i mean people will argue that they created that problem themselves in in january for for all that kolasinac isn't brilliant they decided to loan him out and not bring yeah. anyone else in so you know, that's fair criticism. But yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. And the same with the White signing. You know, a lot of people felt it wasn't needed, but Louise did have qualities that we did need to replace and ideally improve upon. And and hopefully um, White can do that. And whilst we're on the topic, I think just to share with everyone that Ben White and Laconga did look really good yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. White sort of made a, a lot of interceptions, carried the ball forward on, on a few occasions you know, brave and confident in his passing. This is definitely uh, you know, not I saw some people when we were signing him, why don't we just play Rob Holding? You know, listeners will know I'm not I'm not a big fan of Rob Holding, but there's a clear difference in in quality between the two. Carl, quickly on on White, um, because I know the basic stats on him aren't aren't brilliant, didn't sort of look like a fifty million yeah. pound um player, but what do you think? it is about him that makes him such a valuable asset
0: i think losing luis for you know his lack of ability with defending you his his ability on the ball and kind of his importance to that for arteta was beyond reproach um and while his metrics don't look great a lot of that was you know kind of team adjusted stuff i think um his ability to play on the back, you know, driving either with the ball himself carrying it or, you know, playing passes through lines, I think is something that we're going to be, you know, with Arteta, if we keep on, you know, passing out from our own six yard box. I think that's going to be massively important. And, um, I do think that having that kind of proactive defender alongside, uh, you know, whoever it is playing alongside I'm a little more of a reactive defender, um, it's something that we do need, um, you know, stepping up and winning the ball that way. And, um, you know, I've talked about it uh, previously as, you know, last season, we were probably one of the most reactive defensively teams uh, in Arsenal team that I can remember uh, in terms of, you know, where we pressed and how we pressed. Um, And and I think that was sort of a short term reaction to the players that we had at its disposal. Um, And I think filling a, a team now with, players like Ben white who are capable of playing in a high line. And, you know, we, we saw that, you know, how the complete opposite of that against, against Tottenham yesterday with Pablo Mari at a high line is just a disaster waiting to happen. It's not something that we can, we can do, um, mm. so having players like Ben white, who are capable of pressing up the pitch and having that recovery speed, um, and playing on the front foot is something that I think we, it's something that obviously our Teta and, edu uh, and whoever the hell is doing our transfer policy now, um, is looking to address. Mm.
2: Yeah, and I think um, you touched on it there. Murray is, is going to have to start the season alongside White to uh, Gabriel's injury, but it's it's really important, I think, that we get Gabriel back uh, alongside White as soon as possible. Obviously, we're only in the Premier League this season and, and the domestic competition, so, you know, the bulk of teams that do well in the Premier League have a very consistent back four, definitely back you know, back three with the goalkeeper and two central defenders. So it's really important they can um, get a good partnership and, and some consistency playing together. Let's hope that Gabriel's back as soon as possible. The last area I wanted to touch on, we did did touch on it a little bit, but it, it's the right back situation. Um, this yeah. has angered me probably the most in, in pre-season. Arteta sort of switched between right backs at the end of last season we had. Um, well, Maitland-Niles was playing as a wing back the previous season. Um, we then had Chambers come back from injury and sort of make that position his own for a bit. Bellerin had it for a bit in between. Cedric dropped him for the old game as well. This summer we knew we had sort of four right backs on our cards. We've still got four right backs in Maitland-Niles, Chambers, Cedric and Oh, I forgot, Bellerin. How could I forget? Oh, How forget?
0: Number one. <laughs>
2: and I know we can't judge too much on preseason, but I think it's fair to say Arteta has been sort of playing his his first eleven or, or quite close to that, started in the last couple of games against Tottenham and Chelsea. Um, and throughout preseason, I'm afraid to say the the right back circus has continued. I think we've had. Cedric starting for a couple and there was some press that came out to say he was on track to start against Brentford and was going to be our starting right back. Chambers sort of had the most minutes in preseason, but then he's also been playing as a right centre half quite a lot. So if his overall position is to play right back, I question why he's having so many minutes there. Um, and then Bellerin did have the least amount, but then he came on against Chelsea, gave the ball away for the winning goal to Abraham. Maybe he knew he'd soon be his teammate. And he was rewarded for that uh, late substitute appearance by starting the game yesterday against Spurs. So logic would tell you that he maybe is going for Bellerin on Friday. Um, I just find it infuriating that, 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 that situation, there's four players and you don't know. It literally, it wouldn't be a surprise if it was any one of those four on Friday and and the problem is are any of them good enough i mean i personally feel we need a, a new right back but we need to sell at least two really before another one comes in
1: we've only been linked to kieran trippier right
2: a right back i think seriously linked i think towards the start of the the window we had some links to um emerson uh, from barcelona. No, barcelona we had some some light links to dest as well from barcelona Um, but yeah, it's not been massive. I think, I think that's because, you know, reporters know we've got four, four right backs. We can't really go out and sign one until, until we sell in that position.
1: There's two big issues though. Like who's going to buy any of our right backs. Bellerin seems to be the one with the most market value. And even that seems to be like a loan with a obligation to buy for like 15 million euros or whatever. Mm. I think the Um, problem
2: with Bellerin is he wants to leave England and, outside of the Premier League, the clubs are struggling for money. Um, so I think it likely need to be a loan. I would like to see Chambers stay as one of the options, but I think you could definitely find a buyer for him if we don't think he's good enough um, to, to be either of the two. I think... he all over him. Yeah, yeah. And I think Maitland-Niles we can find a buyer for. There's been lots of clubs listed with interest. We might have to settle for less than we wanted we might have to take the shame that it's a bit less than what we rejected last last summer and feel like the club want to save a bit of face by not doing that but i think there's definitely interest in in those two english players um and better in i'm sure we could learn them somewhere you know we can create the space if we want to carl what's your take on this situation firstly who would you start on friday and do you think we need a new player and if so who would that be
0: whoever starts on Friday, I will be unhappy with whoever is like going right. Now, to be honest, I think all, th- none of them are good enough. You know, I've been more of a Bellerin defender recently, but I, I think it's kind of beyond the point now Or me actually saying he's good enough to be a a first team player for where we want to be. Um, mm. I just, his attacking output has just been absolutely abysmal and defensively he's you know, he's, he's, he's a converted winger originally. So that's, you know, we kind of had him in a team for his versatility going forward and, you know, since that's kind of gone kaput, I don't think I don't see much of that. Cedric, I don't rate either, but um, so yeah, I it's, it's kind of like you just kind of have to kind of throw caution to the wind and just whoever gets the best best deal where we can get out the door, then we get get them out the door to try to mm. get a, a, an actual first teamer. Um, it, it's you know like like i said going you know, with the attacking stuff about how it's positive that we're, we're being linked with players that we need it's also disheartening to see that we're not being linked with fullbacks um mm-hmm. or right back sorry um for kind of filling that void there um but i think a lot of that obviously has to do with that we just you know you can't shift out players that no one else wants and who are in good wages and that's you know that's the Barcelona problem. They have, they have too many players of wages, and they can't afford to get them out the door now, so they can't sign Nessie So, um, a little bit less of an uh, of an issue here with that in terms of our finances. But I, it's it's not promising. Mm. I just
2: remembered we were linked um, in the Athletic, weren't we, to Tyler Adams? I don't think
1: that's uh, a goer, as we obviously seen Mac, Max Max Harons as well earlier in the window. Yeah,
2: they they all seem to be very early in the window. We did have quite a yeah. few links, and then it's uh, then it's dried up. But
0: well I think a lot of those links that were were more were kind of made were kind of look, uh, you know, the publications and people kind of linking looking at our squad, what we needed rather than links that are actually being done because we actually are uh, you know talking to those clubs about players. you know, it's kind of those kind of issues like that. Um, I would have love Tyler Adams. you know, I don't think he, you know he's more of a of a of a defensive midfielder on by trade, but he's played a lot for in those positions for. For Red Bull uh Leipzig and for the occasionally for the US national team. Um so mm. I don't think it's gonna happen because Jesse Marsh is there and you know, two Americans make a make a good pair there, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I might
0: think... take to the fresh Red Bull Leipzig uh podcast soon later, so we'll see. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think um I'm with you that I, I think there's a case for either one of the four to stay as a backup. Um and, and mm-hmm. potentially sell the, you know, whoever we get offers for from the other three or, or two. You could potentially keep Chambers and one other and a new player because Chambers can can play central defense as well, or or even fill in midfield um,
0: in cup games. Yeah ideally, yeah, ideally for that same sort of scenario, you get rid of one of Cedric or Bellerin, and then you have mm. Chambers. Obviously, have Maitland Niles. He can do the fullback role and playing as a central midfielder if we need to. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, he's obviously at the right age profile, but at the same time, you know, he's probably the player who's the most interest from teams that we could sell. So it's, yeah. it's a no-win scenario there.
2: Yeah, my prediction is Bellerin on loan. I think we'll sell Maitland-Niles and I think we'll keep Cedric and Chambers and hopefully bring someone else in, but I'm not convinced that yeah. we will. Um, Pat, who who's starting for you on Friday?
1: Right back. Yeah. Hopefully, no
0: one.
1: Ten. I think it will right, be Bellerin. I mean, just quickly on Ben White, I thought he was great, and at times, worryingly, looked like he was defending on, like on his own. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, quite looking forward to to Gabriel coming into the fold because I think we've seen enough of Mary now, right? Even if some of it is in preseason, mm. that not only is Gabriel probably better or on the same level he's definitely got a higher ceiling so mm. um i think he'll 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 definitely come in whenever he's fit and i'm quite excited to see that partnership kind of de- develop
2: yeah yeah i mean we haven't talked about goalkeeper but i think if you look oh. at tierney gabriel white and a new good right back um that's that's a pretty solid back four mm. and a very good age profile as well depending on the right back if it's trippier not so much but yeah, hopefully we can find a few more of the missing jigsaw pieces before the end of August, but it's looking extremely likely slash impossible that we will find any more pieces to the jigsaw before our season opener on Friday.
0: We just need to put Arsene Wenger in charge of our transfer window. He's always going to get in the deadline deals done when we had, you know, rocked up to Old Trafford playing, you know, Armand Triore at left back. And then somehow we came back with Per soccer, Arteta and all those players, so.
2: Andre Santos.
0: Yeah, that was less, 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 less prime day.
2: Crazy Crazy deadline day. And I think there's going to be plenty of business. I think we'll sign at least three more, Um, probably three, I think will be the limit, but um, plenty to leave as well. I think whether that's loan or or permanently, I think there'll be plenty going out the door. So stay tuned to fresharsenal.com and follow at fresh underscore arsenal for the transfer news. I think we'll wrap it up there, guys. We've um, been going about 45 minutes and we will be adhering to our Monday schedule. We are recording on Monday today and the season kicks off, as we say, on Friday. So we'll be back with you again on Monday. Not sure if JB will be with us. If anyone can find him, let us know. Rumours are he's on a six-month... Holding
0: out. We 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 have too much wages on our books now, so we have to. he can't register him in time. Might might be going to PSG soon.
2: Yeah, it does seem so. He did offer to join it's us. PSG poolside.
1: has a good ring to it. To be fair,
2: he said he <laughs> he said he joined pool side, but I think Pat after the one we. Uh, oh
1: no, Never tried again. to
2: record with him as he walked through London live. Oh, like,
0: make sure that
1: as someone who makes podcasts for a living like one of the one of my pet peeves is literally someone being like i'll just dial in from <laughs> you know from the starbucks and i'm just like mate please yes. come on yeah. come on help us out help JB. us out jb he walking walking around wherever he lives like cars wishing by dogs barking is nonsense
2: how to do his daily walk Anyway, we'll see who we've got with you next week, but it's been great having you, uh, Carl and Pat. Carl, where can people find you if they're not following you already?
0: Uh, they can follow me at Carlin, carlon, C-A-R-L-O-N, uh, carpenter on Twitter.
2: Brilliant. And Pat, where you can you find me? me
0: you?
1: At P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A on Twitter.
2: And I've been PB at Ollie Price Bates. And um, Please follow us, our podcast account on Twitter at Fresh Arsenal Pod. And please subscribe on whatever you're listening to if you haven't already. Thank you very much.